It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Happy rainy Tuesday. It's kind of like muggy out there. But that's okay. It's never muggy on Pushing the Limits. So glad that you could join us. Streaming everywhere, all over the place, on my Twitter page, YouTube, everywhere. And, of course, on the AM dial, KSHP 1400. You know, sometimes I lie to you and I say, hey, we got a great show. We got a jam-packed show. But today we actually do. I'm actually being honest with you today. No, I'm always honest with you. What am I talking about? Some shows might be better than others, but I'm, I'm really excited with the uh, guests we have on today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, doesn't do a lot of local interviews. But uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Of course, he's got a big race coming up in November. His opponent, Sam Peters. So uh, the congressman will be joining us coming up here in a little bit. We're going to talk about everything with him, right? We're going to talk about gun control, abortion. The January 6th hearings, inflation, gas prices. I will talk about everything with Congressman Horsford coming up at the bottom of the hour. And then coming up in hour number two, man, I grew up listening to this guy. The guy sold more than 30 million albums. He's won Grammys. He's won pretty much every award you could win in the music industry. He's also quite the follow on social media, and I've been a big fan of his for a long time. He's coming to Vegas at the end of the month doing the show. At Green Valley Ranch, the very talented Richard Marks will be joining us in hour number two. Can't wait to talk to him. And, uh, hey, he's not afraid to share his opinions on politics and news and, and anything else. So I'm sure it'll be a fun interview with him. A little later on in the program, anyone who knows, I grew up a Boston Celtics fan. There are trade rumors, more trade rumors circulating. And, uh, I don't know, the Celtics might be landing Kevin Durant. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But it, it very well could. It, it very well could. I don't know. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program as well. So, uh, you know, pretty jam-packed show, as I said. You know, jam-packed show for you today. We're going to be talking about a lot of different topics, a lot of different issues. And the first topic I want to discuss with you, the word hypocrisy. So I talk about hypocrisy all the time mainly coming from the right. Sir, of course I have criticisms for people on the left as well. But there's a story that's come out yesterday that is the definition of hypocrisy on the right. As you know, I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you know that the overwhelming majority of Republicans think being gay is a sin, which, by the way, I think is completely and utterly ridiculous. And those who are so anti-gay and those who are anti-gay marriage, oh, I'm a Christian and that's a sin, are usually the ones that are committing the most sins themselves. Those are usually the same people that are either, and by the way, I don't think being gay is a sin, but people who are so anti-gay usually are those that are gay themselves, or they're the ones that cheat on their wives or husbands left and right. 
And usually those are the ones that come out and talk about how they are so anti-gay, anti-gay marriage. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the gay son of Republican Representative Glenn Thompson out of Pennsylvania got married on Friday. You would think that that would be a good thing, right? It is. It's a good thing. His son got married. But here's the problem with that. A few days earlier, his father voted against the Respect for Marriage Act. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. NBC News reporting this story. Thompson's press secretary, Madison Stone, confirmed that the congressman was in attendance. They said, Congressman and Mrs. Thompson were thrilled to attend and celebrate their son's marriage on Friday night as he began this new chapter in his life. It was stated in an email that they welcome their new son-in-law into their family. But again, the problem is, is that Thompson represents the state's 15th congressional district, one of 157 House Republicans who voted against this bill on Tuesday. It's a bipartisan measure following fears that the existing same-sex marriage protections could be in the crosshairs of the conservative-leaning Supreme Court, which I think is a very fair concern. And the Respect for Marriage Act is now being considered by the Senate, where 10 GOP lawmakers must join all 50 Democrats to send the legislation to the desk of President Joe Biden. Let me, let me just put this in perspective for you and, and, and repeat this. This guy votes against this bill to protect gay marriage, right? The Respect for Marriage Act, which is what it's called, which would protect gay marriage in this country. He votes against that. Clearly, he's against gay marriage. Yet his son just got married who is gay, and he attended the wedding. Now, I'm glad he attended the wedding. What kind of father are you? I'll even take it a step further. What kind of person are you that you could be that two-faced, that you would go to your son's wedding and then a couple days later vote against this Respect for Marriage Act? What kind of person are you? Isn't this the definition of hypocrisy? Now, I don't understand you people. I really don't. And when I mean you people, you people that are against gay marriage, if you don't want gay marriage in your family, then that's your business feel the same way about abortion. If you don't want anybody in your family to get an abortion, then don't get an abortion. If you don't want anybody in your family to be gay, then that's on you. You know, I remember Dick Cheney back in the day, who I never was a big fan of, the former vice president of the United States, who in my opinion is a war criminal. Dick Cheney was anti-gay everything, anti-gay marriage, anti-gay anything, anything that promoted being gay. Dick Cheney was against it until it affected him personally because that's what that's how so many of these republicans think dick cheney found out one of his daughters not liz cheney her sister one of his daughters turned out to be a lesbian and then all of a sudden when that came about and this is where my criticism is for liz cheney as well then all of a sudden they were pro-gay marriage but why does it take that why does it take something personal to happen in your family for you to change your mind why because that's the way these republicans think until it happens to you then all of a sudden you change your mind we don't want to do anything about gun control 
oh, but wait, somebody in my family was the victim of gun violence. Maybe we should do something now. That's the way so many of these Republicans think. And it is the definition of hypocrisy. And I'm going to tell you this right now. So many of these people out there that call themselves pro-life, pro-life, are the same people. I'm telling you, there's many women out there that are conservatives that call themselves pro-life that have had abortions. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, there are women out there that call other women murderers for having abortions, yet... Some of them have had abortions themselves. I mean, there are so many nitwits out there when it comes to issues, when it comes to gay rights and discrimination. There are so many nitwits on the right, it's just unbelievable. And then there's Tom Cotton. Now, I believe Tom Cotton is a racist. Tom Cotton is a bigot. And he's a bumbling fool. Listen to, have a listen to what Tom Cotton said on national television with Wolf Blitzer on CNN when it came to the issue of gay marriage and gay rights. Have a listen to this. The governor, Asa Hutchinson, as you well know, decided he wasn't going to sign into law this religious freedom bill, in part based on what's going on in Indiana right now. Your reaction? A lot of the concerns about discrimination haven't been brought born to bear over the last 20 years. But I also think it's important that we have a sense of perspective about our priorities. In Iran, they hang you for the crime of being gay. Okay, so did you hear what Tom Cotton just said? I did. Tom Cotton just basically said, well, listen, you go to Iran. If you're gay, you're killed, you're hung. So, you know. He's making the claim that, you know, gay people in this country, when you hear that statement, he's basically saying gay people in this country are very lucky because in other countries they'll kill you if you're gay. So gay people basically should shut up. That's what Tom Cotton is saying. That is the mentality of some people on the evangelical right. Not only do they believe being gay is a sin, they don't believe people who are gay should have the same rights as straight people. They don't believe gay people should be allowed to be married or hold hands in public because they think it's a sin. And by the way, these are some of the same people who support a man who's probably committed more sins than half the country in Donald Trump. Infidelities, lying, cheating, trying to overthrow our democracy, stealing money, That's okay. We'll support the orange turd. But oh boy, Tom Cotton's perspective. If you're gay, you're lucky if you live in this country and you're gay. Because if you're in other countries, they'll kill you. And on social media yesterday, Liz Cheney was slamming Tom Cotton. And by the way, rightfully so. Because like many of these alt-right idiots out there, they claim that they haven't watched the January 6th hearings. Tom Cotton said on national television yesterday, he was asked about the January 6th hearings, and he made a statement saying that it was a sham and it was a joke, but then he was asked if he watched it, and he said no. So Liz Cheney responded on social media to Tom Cotton by saying this, quote, You said the strangest thing. You admitted you hadn't watched any of the hearings. Here's a tip. Actually watching them before rendering judgment is more consistent with Anglo-American jurisprudence. She's 100% right. 
How can you say the January 6th hearings are a sham? How can you say they're unfair when you haven't watched any of the hearings? It's like watching a criminal court case but not watching it and saying, oh, the, the, the defense did a terrible job or the prosecution did a terrible job. Oh, really? Have you watched any of the, uh, any of the trial? No, I haven't. <laughs> In order to actually have an opinion on the January 6th hearings, you probably need to watch it. I watched the January 6th hearings. I've been watching it. And by the way, the hearings aren't over yet. They continue into September when they will start up again. Now, Cheney was, uh, recall, if you recall, one of only two Republicans on the committee after House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy boycotted naming any members of his own, <coughs> has emerged as one of the central figures in the hearings. And all of this has led to Donald Trump targeting Liz Cheney. I'll tell you right now, nobody was targeting Liz Cheney before she decided to vote on impeaching Donald Trump. Republicans loved her. But if you go against Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form, the evangelical right, the far right, will go after you. <coughs> Excuse me. I had a interesting conversation with uh, a nice lady that I spoke with yesterday. She's a listener of the show, and, and we had a conversation. And she's a staunch Republican. I'm not going to say who she is, but she's been a Republican her entire life. And we talked about a lot of different issues in Las Vegas. She lives here. She knows all the players here in Las Vegas. She knows all the Republicans here. And we agreed on a lot of different things. She's a reasonable Republican. She's a Reagan Republican. And she knows a lot of people in this city. And she said she can't deal with the, the far right anymore. She's still a Republican, but she can't deal with it. She can't deal with people on the radio like Wayne Allen Root that spread lies on the radio every single day. And I don't blame her because he's a despicable human being. And I can give you about a hundred reasons why I would say that. But what does the alt-right stand for today? Conspiracy theories, lies, lies about the election, election integrity, lies about the 2020 election, defending the January 6th rioters. Every chance they get attacking the Black Lives Matter movement. We need more guns in this country, not less guns. That's their answer to the gun violence in this country. More guns, not less guns. They want to force the women what, women what to do with their body. They want to force them to have a baby. <laughs> you know, and they'll talk a lot about cancel culture, but the second somebody goes on the air somewhere and says something that they don't like, they want you canceled. I had to deal with that at the last radio station I was at. I had to deal with that every single day. Because 99% of talk shows in this country are right-wing conservative. I'll be honest with you. I used to listen to Hannity and Combs. I thought it was a good show. And the reason why I liked it was because you got both sides. And why did Fox News get rid of Combs? Well, he did his own radio show. But that was a watchable show. I remember before Tucker Carlson turned into a white supremacist, when he did a show on CNN years ago, it was a fair show because you had both sides. And if you watch the panels on CNN, they always have a Republican, and they're usually paid Republicans because CNN wants somebody from the other side on. Now, CNN's not perfect. There are some shows I dislike, but for the most part, CNN does hear from the other side. 
When was the last time you saw somebody on the other side, a Democrat, speak on OAN or Newsmax? On any of their panels, do they have anybody on the other side of the aisle? Of course not. Now, is that fair? Or as Fox News would say, is that fair and balanced? And make no mistake about it, there are people that switch from Democrat to Republican for their own personal gain, not because they actually want to be a Republican. Leo Terrell, as he calls himself, Leo 2.0, who I've interviewed a number of times, he even admitted to me once when I was interviewing him that a part of why he switched over to be a Republican, and he laughed, maybe he, he made it like he was joking, but it was true, the reason why he switched over to be a Republican so he could get more airtime on Fox News. And as soon as Leo Terrell turned from Democrat to Republican, what did he do? He wrote a book and he signed a nice, fat, big deal with Fox News. Candace Owens, she didn't make any money before she was a Republican, but then she turned to a Republican and she's, she wrote books. She made appearances on television. These people aren't switching from Democrat to Republican because all of a sudden one day they just a switch just turned on. They said, you know what? I think I'm going to change my views. I think I want to be a Republican. No, they did it for personal game. And, and, and I'll tell you something else. Donald Trump is a Democrat. It's very difficult to get any honesty from Donald Trump, no matter what you ask him. But deep down inside, Donald Trump is okay with abortion because I can guarantee you some of the women he's been with have had abortions. Donald Trump is a Democrat. He turned Republican because he knew it was the only way it could benefit him running for office and gaining power. That's what many of these people do. I'll even go local to John Lee, the former mayor of North Las Vegas, who, by the way, is a Democrat. The reason why he switched from Democrat to Republican was for his own personal gain. Now, it didn't really help him very much running for governor. He didn't get many votes because he's a jerk and he's incompetent. But a lot of these people that switch from Democrat to Republican, a lot, not all, but a lot of them do it for personal gain. It's not because they have policy differences from Democrats. It's not because all of a sudden a, a light switched in their head and said, oh, I hate Democrats. I want to be a Republican. It is for personal gain. And again, I use the term hypocrisy on this show all the time. Many conservative women out there that call themselves pro-life, that call women murderers for having abortions, some of those women have had abortions themselves, like the Lauren Boberts of the world. They are hypocrites. That is exactly what they are. Many people out there that are anti-gay marriage and anti-gay, some of them are actually gay themselves, but they won't admit it. They won't come out, so to speak, which is very sad. I'm still not convinced, by the way, that Mike Pence is straight. And I, by the way, there's nothing wrong with him being gay, but there is something wrong with him and his wife working at a school where they don't allow people to go to school there that are gay. They don't allow people to work there that are gay. I do have a problem with that. It's the same issues I've had with golf courses across the country, right? Augusta National, the Masters, Augusta National. Until recently, fairly recently, not that long ago, women were not allowed to play golf on that golf course. Black people were not allowed to be members of that golf course. I have a serious problem with that. And I know what you're going to say. Hey, Brian, that's private. They can do whatever they want. Well, sure, they're not breaking the law, but they're still a bunch of racist bigots. I can call them that. <coughs> I actually absolutely can call them that. We live in a society where people want to tell other people what to do. And it's coming from the right. And don't you start talking to me about the vaccines. Because nobody forced you to get a vaccine. 
Your employer could have told you, you need to get a vaccine or you can't work here anymore. But you don't, you know, completely different. We are talking about Republicans running states in this country that are going to tell all women in their state what to do with their body. And if you want to get an abortion, you're going to have to go to another state. And it's interesting because I don't listen to conservative talk radio very often. But uh, I was driving in my car. I don't listen to Mark Levin. I think in my entire life I've maybe listened to Mark Levin for about 15 minutes. But I tuned on uh, the pathetic station that he was on in this town. And for a few minutes Mark Levin was talking about abortion. And Mark Levin was talking about how he agrees of how it should be a state-by-state issue. So I obviously disagree with that, so I tried to call in. And I got through, and I was speaking to one of his idiot producers. And this producer answers the phone, and I say, I disagree with having it go state to state. And he said, why? I said, well, because if a young girl gets raped, you're making it more difficult for her to have an abortion after she's been through an unbelievably tragic and terrible situation. Why would you make it more uncomfortable for her and she'd have to drive to another state to have an incredibly difficult procedure done that is traumatic for her at such a young age? And his response to me was, well, abortion's not illegal. You could still go to another. I said, I know that. And, And he didn't listen to me. And eventually he hung up the phone on me because shows like Mark Levin... They don't take pushback. They don't want phone calls of people that disagree with Mark Levin. They'll get phone calls. Oh, the great one, Mark, I love you. If you don't believe me, I mean, that's what they do on his show. Everybody wears the Mark Levin knee pads. Oh, the great one. By the way, there's nothing great about Mark Levin. He lies on the air every single day, spreading misinformation about COVID, spreading misinformation about election lies. There's nothing great about that. That's the opposite of great. And I say that about Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, And the nitwits at Newsmax and the nitwits at OAN, they're all a bunch of fools and they spread misinformation every day. I'm not a big Don Lemon fan. I don't like Rachel Maddow. I don't watch MSNBC. But I'll tell you one thing Rachel Maddow has never done, in in my experience, spread misinformation. Yeah, she's way far to the left and she attacks Republicans every day. I wish she would attack Democrats also. But you know what? She doesn't spread misinformation every day. People on Fox News and OAN and Newsmax and right-wing conservative radio across the country, they spread misinformation every day. The nitwit who took over for Rush Limbaugh, complete, utter buffoon, Clay Travis, he said several years ago when COVID started that there wouldn't be more than 1,000 people that would die of COVID. Has he ever apologized for that statement? Has he ever retracted that statement? No. Because that's what these alt-right idiots in the media do. They, they never apologize unless they're threatened with a lawsuit like Newsmax was with the Dominion voting machines. Then all of a sudden they retracted what they said. They knew it was a lie. But if they weren't threatened with a lawsuit, they wouldn't have retracted that statement even though they knew it was false. Clay Travis goes on the air every single day with a very large audience, sadly, and spreads misinformation. He does it every single day. Every day. And yet general managers and management at radio stations allow it. They allow it every single day. Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, all these people that do radio and television, Tucker Carlson, they spread misinformation every day. 
it's okay to have different opinions. I welcome different opinions. It's why I have so many far-right Republicans on my radio show. I'll interview anybody. And having Stephen Horsford up next, this is a rarity for me. I usually don't interview Democrats. I have a few on. I've had Governor Sisolak on. I really enjoy speaking with Congresswoman Dina Titus. I think she's a nice lady. I enjoy speaking with her. And myself and, and, and Representative Horsford, we're probably going to agree on a lot of issues. But I, I enjoy speaking with Republicans. I want to pick their brain. I want to understand what Republicans stand for today. And by the way, I'm not talking about Reagan Republicans. I have a lot in common with them. I'm talking about the alt-right, the faces of the party, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts, the Matt Gateses of the world, the Gymnasium Jordans of the world, the McCarthys, the Donald Trumps. Those are the people that I'm talking about locally, the Jim Marchants, the Adam Laxalts. The Joe Lombardos. These are the people that I'm talking about because I feel like I have nothing in common with them. And I am not speaking as a Democrat, but I feel like I have nothing in common with these people. Like no middle ground with them. Nothing. Zero. So I really don't get it. I don't get it. The hypocrisy of this guy. Glenn Thompson, who just went to his son's gay wedding. By the way, nothing wrong with that. I'm glad he went. And then a couple days later, he votes against this bill. That would protect gay marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. He votes against it. He's basically voting against people like his son. Here's a guy who knows what his son has gone through. He should know that gay people in this country for decades and decades and decades have been discriminated against. But that doesn't mean anything to him, even though his son is gay. Goes to the wedding. Welcomes the gay marriage, if it's his son, but votes a different way because he's a Republican and he wants to remain in office and he puts his power and his job ahead of everybody in this country like his son. It is the definition of hypocrisy. It's utterly disgusting. And it's why every day on this show I say, what is it going to take to have common gun control laws put in place here? Is it going to take a Republican son or daughter or wife, and I don't want this to happen, by the way, to be executed at the hands of a madman with an AR-15 for them to maybe do something about it? I don't know what else. What else is going to change their minds? I don't want that to happen. That's the last thing I want to happen. But what else could change their minds? So we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to talk about gun control with our guests coming up next. Uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford is going to be joining us next. And really looking forward to speaking with him. Uh, He's up for re-election against uh, his opponent is Sam Peters, who I dislike and I have a lot of disdain for, I'll be honest with you. And we'll get into that with Congressman Horsford coming up next. We're going to talk to him about gun control, certainly abortion, What his thoughts on the January 6th hearings. We're going to talk about inflation, his thoughts on Joe Biden, his thoughts on Governor Sisolak. We're going to get into all those topics next. So uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford coming up next. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero, Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. 
Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years and prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South. Unfortunately, they're controlled by the gun lobby uh, in Washington, D.C., and not the people of America who overwhelmingly support common sense gun safety legislation. Now, last month, Congress passed and the president signed into law the first gun control reform bill in almost three 
decades. It's a bill that uh, includes my legislation from Break the Cycle of Violence, uh, but uh, on the key provisions of the bill around gun safety, uh, it's about um, making sure that we have increased background checks uh, for uh, individuals who are under 21. It requires more gun sellers to register as federally licensed firearm dealers. It closes the so-called boyfriend loophole, which left out unmarried partners and domestic violence uh, to to make sure that uh, they are also protected. And it increases funding for mental health programs and school safety. Now, one of the most important provisions, I believe, is the two billion dollars of anti-violence funding Mm -hmm. uh, for our schools and our communities, including my provision uh, around breaking the cycle of violence. Uh, Congressman, when you hear from the right, people say we need to harden schools and we need to arm teachers. And it always seems like they come up with more guns are the answer, not less guns. And I've always been for uh, an assault weapons ban. I would imagine you are for that as well. Do you think that'll ever get done? And what do you make of the, the so many people on the right in the back pockets of the NRA that seem to talk make every excuse except for the actual guns that are being used? Well, the House will vote this week, in fact, on an assault weapon ban. These are weapons of war. Uh, Literally, when you look at what happened uh, in Uvalde at that school, uh, when you look at the incident in in Buffalo, even in our hometown of Las Vegas, in the one October shooting that killed 58 people, uh, we must address all forms of gun violence and Uh, banning assault weapons and these weapons of war is a step that Congress will be taking uh, in the House later this week. I'm I'm happy to hear that, Congressman. If you're just joining us, Congressman Stephen Horsford, uh, let's talk about the abortion issue. Did you ever think, Congressman, in your lifetime that Roe versus Wade would be overturned in the Supreme Court? What do you make of somebody like Clarence Thomas? What do you make of these Supreme Court justices that voted for this? And, uh, you know, I understand in Nevada that's not going to happen so long as Democrats are running this state. But there's a lot of women out there that are very scared, Congressman. What would you say to them? First, I understand their fear. I understand their anxiety. Uh, This is not an issue that only affects women. Uh, It affects men and families uh, as well. And, yeah, you're right. After 50 years of precedent on something as fundamental as a woman's Freedom, and I use the word freedom so intentionally to make her own health care decisions about her life uh, with the consultation of her physician uh, and anyone else that she chooses to bring into that process. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an extreme, ideologically driven Supreme Court, three of the members that were appointed recently by Donald Trump, and now Republicans in Congress that are plotting a nationwide ban to criminalize abortion in all 50 states. Uh, My opponent uh, has been endorsed by the very groups who want to institute these national bans to criminalize abortion. This is not the direction that the majority of Nevadans or Americans want us to go, and that is why we have to do everything that we can to um, codify uh, the federal law uh, into uh, for, for Roe versus Wade into uh, statute. Yes, we have protections in the battle law, but we need to make sure that those protections are um, instituted across the country because what we cannot have 
is a patchwork of um, laws where some rights are protected in some places that forces people, women, to travel across the con- across state lines in order uh, to get the health care that they need. On top of that, mm-hmm. they are also trying to now ban contraception. Mm. Can you believe this? In Awful. the 2022 that they are trying to ban that. So we passed a legislation this week, last week, uh, called the right to contraception to guarantee the right to obtain and use birth control as established in Griswold, including oral contraception, emergency contraception, and IUDs. Now, unfortunately, 195 Republicans voted against guaranteeing women a right to contraception. Oh, that is, that, that um, and, is amazing. And, oh. and we also had to vote last week uh, to, to pass the Respect for Marriage Act because embedded... In the Roe versus Wade decision was the um, uh, provisions around um, the Defense of Marriage Act, which they are also looking to strike down. Right. 157 Republicans voted against guaranteeing can I ask you about the that? recognition of uh, same-sex and interracial can, marriages. Can I ask you about that, Congressman? Because in the first segment I was talking about that. Did you hear about this story about this GOP lawmaker who attends his gay son's wedding three days after voting against this uh, Respect to Marriage Act? I mean, how do I even how do you even describe a person like that? He goes to his son's wedding and then votes against this Respect to Marriage Act. He's voting against someone like his son. How do you even explain that, Congressman? Well, he should explain it. I can't because it's not representative of my, of my priorities. I know what the people of Nevada sports sent me in Washington to, to do, and it's to protect their rights. It's to guarantee their freedom. It's to ensure that we don't go backwards and, and, uh, and, and that we continue to go forward. Uh, so I can't defend him. I don't understand how he can look his loved one in the face after having voted against that legislation last week so someone i hope will get an answer from him but my job right now is to make sure that i defend the rights of nevada's uh constituents who are desperate to make sure that congress and the u.s supreme court does not erode their freedom or their right. Understood. Let's talk a little bit about your opponent, Sam Peters, Congressman. I interviewed him a few years ago. He refuses to come on this show again. Listen, I, I respect his service to this country, but what do you make, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of Sam Peters. I don't like the election lies that he endorses when it comes to Donald Trump and you know when it comes to gay marriage. I don't agree with him on a lot of issues, but what do you make of a guy that puts in his radio commercial Let's go, Brandon. What ty- we all know what that means. What type of example does that set for the voters and for even younger people? When you put that type of rhetoric in a commercial, you talk about critical race theory, which for the most part doesn't exist. I mean, can we be honest here? And I want to give you a chance to, to talk about him. But this is a guy that is on the far right, the alt-right, that puts these messages in his ads. And I think it's disgusting. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, look, my job is to uh, make sure the voters of Nevada 4th know who I am, what I've done, and my priorities on delivering for them. Um, We'll have plenty of time to talk more about my opponent. Uh, What I know of him is, yeah, he supports the big lie that Donald Trump lost the election, and he literally um, did not support the Nevada electors uh, that were certified to... uh, 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 present the uh, votes from Nevadans. 
He wants to dismantle the Affordable Care Act and defund Social Security. Those are not the priorities of most Nevadans. Again, he's uh, against a woman's freedom to make her own health care decisions, as we just talked about, uh, and so many other issues that are out of the mainstream of the majority of my constituents. What I've been focused on is reducing the cost of living from housing to child care to prescription drugs. Um, it's what I am uh, uh, known for is, is fighting and delivering for my constituents before I was ever a congressman. Mm-hmm. When I served in the state Senate and, and when I ran the Culinary Academy of Las Vegas, the largest job training center uh, in the state. And so I know what my constituents expect. And that is someone that is not an ideologue, that is not an extreme conservative. Um, and they want someone who's going to focus on their needs and their priorities. And right now, that's the increasing cost of rent. Rent has gone up 30% in our city, in Las Vegas, in the last year. One in three homes in parts of my district are owned by out-of-state corporate investors. That's why I just introduced the Home Act in order to uh, hold these corporate investors accountable for gouging my constituents and people uh, in other communities across the country. They didn't care about investing in our community before, but now they want to buy up our properties, gouge veterans, gouge seniors, and middle-class families that are trying to make a living and keep a roof over their head. Those are the priorities that my constituents talk to me about, and those are the issues that I'm laser-focused on getting done on their behalf. What would you say, Congressman, to so many people on the right that want to blame Joe Biden for inflation, for gas prices? I mean, I always say, listen, inflation's up all over the world for the most part. So are gas prices. Uh, I debate Republicans on this all the time. I'm sure you have people coming up to you saying, you know, Joe Biden's responsible for all your problems. What would you say about that? Is Joe Biden responsible at all? Is the White House responsible at all? Are Democrats responsible at all for inflation and for the gas prices and, you you know, for a lot of people struggling in this country, you know, paying paying for those types of things. Well, first, let me say I understand, particularly in my district and the people that I represent, that they have struggled with the cost of food, of gas, now housing, and there are different factors that are contributing to why they are experiencing those high costs. You know, I'm not here to shift blame. I'm not here to assign blame. We do need to know the root causes of what causes these um, inflationary issues. Obviously, the war in Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, the, the limited oil supply early in the process contributed to some of the, the gas prices. But do you know, Brian, today is the 43rd day straight the gas prices have continued to decline. Right. We're working to make sure they continue to go down, and that's why I've worked uh, to hold this administration accountable, uh, to provide more of our domestic uh, supply of energy and to release more uh, supply of, of oil so that we can bring mm-hmm. down the cost. It's why I pushed the administration to uh, tackle the issues around food insecurity and the lack of um, formula when it was being experienced in our communities. Mm-hmm. But right now, the issue that most of my constituents are talking about is the cost of housing, the cost of rent, mm-hmm. the fact that they are being priced out by these corporate investors who are not invested in our state. They've come in over the, they bought more homes in the last year than they bought in the last seven. 
and then they've literally uh, taken processes to evict people at a higher rate. They don't provide the same level of maintenance. And if there's one issue that I want to make sure that I address on behalf of my constituents is bringing down the cost of housing to make housing more affordable so that people can keep a roof over their head. That's why I introduced the HOME Act. I've already gotten a hearing um, on, in ways and means on this issue, and I'm pushing my colleagues to make sure that this is a priority bill that we get done uh, so that we can provide relief to people in my district and all across this yep. country. A couple more quick questions for you, Congressman, and we really do appreciate your time. We're speaking with Congressman Stephen Horsford. A couple more quick questions for you. I have to ask you about the January 6th hearings. I know right now this is probably not your focus, but I guess two-part question. Have you had a chance to watch the hearings? And I guess my second part to that is if you have, do you believe that they've shown enough evidence for Donald Trump to be charged with a crime? What are your thoughts on the January 6th hearings as a whole? Well, I have watched, like most Americans have watched, the proceedings. I want to commend Chairman Benny Thompson and Republican member Liz Cheney, the vice chair, for their work in getting to the truth. I didn't have, I don't have a predetermined conclusion on what should be done, but I believe that the evidence um, and the information and the truth should ultimately be brought out to the American public. Ultimately, a recommendation needs to be made to the Department of Justice. And I do hope uh, that Attorney General Garland and the Department of Justice does its job um, and holds anyone accountable for the attack, not only on the U.S. Capitol building, but on the uh, democracy that we hold so dear. Uh, There was a coup. They were not successful. It was an attempted coup. But had they been successful, where would we be right now as a country, as a nation, yeah. as a people, had they been successful? I, I, I was there that day. I saw um, the shattered windows. I saw uh, Capitol Police who were affected, some of whom lost their lives. I know staff members who are still experiencing trauma from the events of that day. And I know constituents all across this country are concerned about the underpinnings of our democracy. And when anyone calls into question the results of an election because they didn't win, because they didn't like the results, um, and then they literally incite uh, an insurrection. And my own opponent supported this big lie and continues to. And this is the problem. Even with information, with evidence, with the facts and the truth, they still support the big lie. And that is not what the majority of Nevadans or Americans believe. And it's why uh, this upcoming November election is going to be so important for the future of our nation. I agree, Congressman. But when you look at people like Jim Marchant and Adam Laxalt and Michelle Fiore, I mean, there are people just locally here in Las Vegas that support the big lie. It seems like the way Republicans are winning elections these days is supporting conspiracy theories. It seems like the face, correct me if I'm wrong, the faces of the Republican Party, the Lauren Boberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, they're right-wing conspiracy theorists. I mean, it seems like Trump started this trend. Would you agree with that? And do you believe that that's kind of where the alt-right is these days? Well, again, I'm not here to say who started it. I'm here to say it does not reflect the, the, the values, the priorities sure. of who we are as a people. 
And this is why we need every single listener of your program, voter, to know just how important their voice is in this process. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this. Look, I know people get frustrated. I know people turn off in midterms. I know that with the escalating cost of living, that people are feeling the pain. But that is not a reason to give up on our democracy. That is not a reason to allow those who are the election deniers to prevail. That is not a reason to let an ideologically driven Supreme Court or conservatives in Congress to take away people's freedoms to make their own health care decisions or to not um, uh, move forward on the priorities that we need as a nation. And so I'm, I'm appealing to your listeners and people all throughout my district who will listen, please vote this upcoming election. Your voice matters. Your vote matters. And the future of our nation, the soul of our nation is at stake. Last question, Congressman. And again, we really do appreciate your time. You you decided to enter public life years ago. And it's not something that I would want to do, but it seems like, you know, there are politicians out there that go after people's personal life and things that should be private become public. You've had to deal with that with your family. It's not my business, but yet it seems like the people that have gone after you on the right have no problem with Donald Trump having 25 women accusing him of sexual assault or rape, but they want to go after you. You had a private issue there. And I want to ask you, how has that affected you? How do you deal with that? You and your family, how do you deal with being in public like and everything, everything being magnified? No human being is perfect. We all make mistakes, right? How have you been able to deal with that over the years? And, and has that been difficult for you and difficult for your family to have all of your personal information out there for everybody to see? Well, first, Brian, the person that mattered the most in this situation to me was uh, my apology to my wife and my children and my family. In the end, they're the ones that uh, need to hear that apology the most. Um, Of course, I uh, I, 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 I regret and have taken ownership for my actions, but to be clear, my voters are focused on their lives, the issues that they're dealing with, from the cost of living to child care to prescription drugs uh, to making sure that we can protect their fundamental rights. Um, and so I'm gonna, I have continued to do my job, and I will continue to do my job. I know voters will ultimately have to make decisions, and there is a, a clear choice between me and my opponent. And I'm willing to put my record of of uh, achievement of legislation, of hard work, of fighting to get people trained and placed in jobs with the Culinary Academy to my record in the state Senate to now in Congress over anyone, including my opponent. Um, and so all I have to say is the, the people that matter to me most, those who I love the most in my life, I have uh, sought to give them the the uh, healing and the apology that they need uh, so that we can move forward um, and to live healthy and productive lives well into the future. Well, Congressman, I'll say this. I've always supported you. You're going to defeat Sam Peters. I have no doubt about that. I I believe you to be a good man, passionate. I know you care about this community. You care about uh, where you work and the people you represent. And I I know how busy you are. So I I do appreciate you coming on. Love to have you on again, maybe before the elections, uh, uh, Congressman. and, And I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Brian. Great to be on. I really appreciate and I look forward to coming back. Thank you, Congressman. Appreciate you. Uh, that is Congressman Stephen Horsford joining us. Hey, I mean everything I just said. Uh, I support him. He's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. He's done a good job. He's done a good job. He's not a far-to-the-left crazy person or a far-to-the-right crazy person. I believe he's a reasonable man. And by the way, when that story came out about his affair, which was a personal story, he did apologize, and he didn't lie. He owned it. We have no idea what's going on you know, within his family. And by the way, it's not my business. Here's what I do know. Nobody's ever accused Stephen Horsford of sexual assault. Nobody's ever accused him of rape. But some of the people that want to go after Stephen Horsford for having an affair are the same people that voted for Donald Trump. His own ex-wife, who just sadly passed away, by the way, accused Donald Trump of rape in court documents. But they'll vote for Donald Trump. But, oh, if there's a story of a Democrat that might might have had an affair, oh, let's go after him. Again, I said it in the first segment, it is the definition of hypocrisy. And I, when I heard Stephen Horsford speak at this Moms Demand Action Rally, I met him for the first time a few months ago. I loved his passion. I loved, and, I, I, and again, I don't love to hear about death, and, but it's a personal story. And Horsford talked about his father, his father, who died at the hands of, 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 of a gun violence in Las Vegas, by the way. And he talked about how he drives past that area where his father was murdered just about every single day. That is a personal story. And the pain and the suffering that he and his family have had to go through. He is passionate about gun control. He's passionate about a lot of issues, by the way. I love his passion. And he's right. He is right. He's right on the gun control issues. He's right about affordable housing and lowering rent. He's right about the abortion issue. He's right about the January 6th. He's right about a lot of things. And I might not agree with him on everything, but on the really, really important issues that are facing not just Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, but the entire country, I agree with him. And it's not because I'm a Democrat, because I'm not. I am an independent, but I support Stephen Horsford because I believe him to be a decent human being who is logical, who is reasonable, that does not spread lies every day like so many of these people on the far right do. And I do believe he cares about this community. I do. He grew up here. He's lived here almost his entire life. He knows this town better than anybody. And whatever going, is going on in his personal life, that is personal, and that is for him to figure out. That is not my business. But I asked him, you know, what is that like to be out there? I mean, I can't even imagine how difficult that is on your family. Whenever, you know, listen, if you have some sort of affair, it affects your immediate family and your friends know about it. Not, not the entire city, not the entire state. Everybody knew what was going on with him. I can't imagine how difficult that must be. But he is still with his beautiful wife, his family. And I support Stephen Horsford 110%. Not because he's a Democrat. Because he's a decent human being. And I agree with him on some of the most important issues facing this city, facing this state, and facing the country. And I appreciate him taking the time to join us. And I hope that people vote for Stephen Horsford because I'll tell you right now, while I appreciate Sam Peter's 
risking his life for this country. He'll always be a hero. He is a right-wing nut. He is a right-wing kook. I don't want right-wing kooks who spread election lies in any office. I don't want them as an assemblyman, let alone as a congressman. I'm telling you right now, Sam Peters ain't going to win. Stephen Horsford's going to win re-election. Sam Peters is not going to win. Steve Sislak is going to remain our governor in the great state of Nevada. Catherine Cortez Masto is going to win re-election. So if you think some of these right-wing kooks are going to win, you better think again, folks, because it ain't going to happen because it's up. The people who spread these election lies, they're done. All right, coming up next, he's a Grammy Award winner. One great guest to another. The guy sold over 30 million albums. I've been, I've been listening to this guy for years. The great musician himself, Richard Marks, will be joining us next on the show. We'll take a break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. So glad you could join us. That was one of my favorite songs, by the way, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, I'm sure you recognize it. Because the guy we have with us on the line right now, oh, he sold a gazillion albums. (laughs) Over 30 million albums. He's won pretty much every award you could win in the music industry. He's also a, a pretty darn good follow on social media. Myself and Richard Marks, we probably agree a lot politically on a lot of different issues. And Richard Marks is coming to Green Valley Ranch Casino on July 29th. I've seen his shows a, a bunch of times. And, oh, man, this guy puts on a great show. And we're honored to have him on the show with us right now. The legend himself, Richard Marks, joining us. Richard, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing fantastic, Richard. So I want to talk to you about, obviously, your career and your upcoming show. you got a new album coming up. But before I do that, I have to ask you... Have you always been this outspoken about politics? Because I love the way you call out the alt-right buffoons out there, as we both would say. Have you always been this outspoken? Or like me, did Donald Trump kind of get it out of you like he kind of got it out of me over the last four or five years? Yeah, I would say that that's accurate. I mean, in my 20s and 30s, I was, uh, you know, I was so self-absorbed. You know, in between my having kids, having a career, then having kids and a family. And, and also, you know, things were, I was always a little skeptical about politicians. I was never, I never really got behind. I thought Clinton was a, was a really good president for the country. I thought we thrived under him. But then again, you know, the first election I had the opportunity to vote in was, I voted for Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And because I... I felt like he was the better candidate, and um, I, I was never particularly partisan up, up until it was really it kind of it happened definitely before Trump. It happened during the the, G, the, the Bush Jr. Mm-hmm. era. Um, but I, you know, it's funny because when you when you go after the alt right, when you go after the you know, the people like Trump. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of the people who are in the, the majority of the modern GOP for being completely uh, traitorous and 
and criminal and yeah. you get tagged as being this uber lib guy right I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a i'm not a i'm not a registered democrat neither am i and, you know and it's just that to me it's not about politics and for the yeah. last five years it's not been about politics it's about decency and patriotism and yes the constitution yeah richard i agree with you 100 percent. i'm also i'm an independent and when i yeah. speak about donald trump uh, I, I use the term orange turd to describe him. Uh, forgive me, but that's the word that I use. I, I think you and I should go drinking. Man. We should. Richard, you and I agree on just about everything. It's funny because you tweeted this story out earlier today, and I, I talked about it in the first segment. This GOP lawmaker who attends his gay son's wedding, which is great, by the way, right? But then three days after that, he voted against yeah. the same-sex marriage bill. Isn't this the definition of hypocrisy? It's the ultimate definition. And look, there's enough hypocrisy around. Uh, I've never seen just a level of it than in the majority of the Republican Party. You yeah. know, and these congressmen like that guy, it's I just don't know how they sleep at night. But I, I guess they sleep really well because, you know, the last five years shows that so far there's been no accountability, no real consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens with the January 6th committee. By the way, I feel like every time I say we'll see what happens, which is something that we've all said our whole lives, I think of Trump saying it and I feel like he's poisoned. It's like when I see an American flag on a house now, I immediately think that they're MAGA. We yeah. have to take that shit back, man. We have to like, you know, it doesn't belong to them. I agree with you. I have to ask you this. Have you ever met Ted Nugent or Kid Rock? I mean, you've been in this industry such a long time. What do you make of these buffoons uh, that are just trash, in my opinion? What do you make of these two? Have you ever met them or had a conversation with them? Never met Kid Rock. Met Ted Nugent once, jeez, oh, 20 years ago at some... Um, actually, you know, I think it was at a... Uh, I think it was at a at a, an event raising money for like tornado victims or something. So I, I got to at least say that he, I'm pretty sure it was an event like that where we were all, there were a bunch of musicians who came together to help raise money for a town that had been hit by a, a tornado or something. Right. Um, right. Look, I, I don't know Ted Nugent. I don't know Kid Rock. I don't, I also, you know, I feel like I, I'm more, maybe I'm rare in this case, but I really can separate what someone does for a living from their politics. And, you know, even people I think are just insane. Like James Woods to me, the stuff that he has said publicly and tweets is just so horrific. And he's nuts. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that when he comes on and against all odds, I won't go, wow, he's really a great actor. You know, I, I can actually hold two opinions at the same time. I know that sounds crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, when it comes to those two musicians, uh, I don't know them. It's a weird thing, man. I've, I've, I've met a few people who I've come to know being really extreme far right ideology holders. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. I did uh, Governor Huckabee's show on Fox a couple of times over the years. Wow. And ended up sitting in a green room with him. And he couldn't have been a more charming, polite host. That was years ago. If I saw him now, I would actually, because I did have a little bit of a rapport with him off stage. I think if I saw him now, I would say, can I talk to you for a minute? (laughs) I need to know that I'm not crazy. Like, are you, 
are, are you an actually decent guy? Because it seems like you're not, you know? Ha- Richard, haven't some of these people changed? Like, I remember I used to watch Tucker Carlson on CNN because you got two sides. I remember Hannity and Combs. I used to watch that show because you got both sides. It just seems like Tucker Carlson has turned into this white supremacist sympathizer. And Donald Trump, or I, I'm sorry, Sean Hannity, he seems to wear the Donald Trump knee pads every night, for lack of a better term. It just seems like some of these people have changed and been radicalized. Yeah, well, I don't know about that they've been radicalized. I think that they've seen an opportunity that they felt like they were going to put all their eggs in that basket. Um, I think it's completely mercenary on their part. I think they know exactly what they're doing. Um, I don't know Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson. I, I always thought that they were buffoons. Um, look, you know, Sean Hannity has a history in radio, just like Glenn Beck used to have a history in radio and, yeah. and rock radio, pop radio. Uh, some of these guys, you know, that have been around for a long time, if you know anything about their past, they were always buffoons. They were always kind of yeah. mercenary, yeah. bumbling morons. It's just that they, they stepped in shit and they got, you know, they got a huge following. Um, I think Sean Hannity is a really, really dangerous guy, but I don't think there's anybody on the scene more dangerous and more evil like in his soul, evil than Tucker Carlson. I, I agree with you. If you're just joining I, I us, just Richard joining. Marks, uh, this is a guy who sold over 30 million albums. Uh, fantastic musician. He's got a show coming up, by the way, at Green Valley Ranch at the end of the month, July uh, 29th. Uh, I will certainly be at that show. He puts on a great show. I guess before we get to his uh, the music, and he, by the way, he's got a new album uh, that's coming out in September. Before we get to that, I, I, guess, I guess I'll ask it uh, like this. If you had an opportunity... To be in a room with Donald Trump behind closed doors, Richard, what would you say to him? I'm just curious. Like, what would you say to this man if you had the opportunity? Shine my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say anything to him. You know, I mean, he's... uh... First of all, I think he's really mentally unstable. I I think he's a sociopathic unhinged ill person so i I wouldn't want anything to do with him and i look at this point i don't think there's anyone on the planet who could say anything to him Mm -hmm. in any environment or circumstance that would make any difference i think yeah it's it's like you know could you say to hitler dude maybe chill a little bit no we're at you're at a point where there are certain people who are just so far gone that it doesn't matter who or who speaks to them or what is said. Yeah. Yeah, understood. I, I, I certainly don't disagree with you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your new album coming out in September. You, you've performed a number of times here in Las Vegas over the years. Can you talk to me a little bit about Las Vegas and, and why you enjoy coming back here? And, and it seems like your shows usually sell out every time. Uh, talk to me a little bit about you know performing here over the years in Las Vegas. Well, I mean, I've been around long enough to have watched the transition from, uh, like, in the when I first started, 87 was my first album, and it was, Vegas was a place that, uh, I don't think I played there until the 90s, because it was considered not where a credible rock pop artist plays. And then, over time, it became, you know, uh, it, it shifted so dramatically that now you have, like, you know, all these years, I don't know, it started maybe 15 years ago with the residencies, 
and you've got just everybody from, I mean, if you told me 25, 30 years ago that Rod Stewart would be having a residency in Las Vegas, I would like, there's no way. Um, it, it, it's just changed. It's just shifted. And it's just a place where people come to be entertained. And why not be a part of that? So when I started Vegas, was I want to say it was like night two at the Rio and it was uh, outdoors. It was like, it was not much different than playing the Greek theater in LA or what was called Pine Knob in Detroit or any of these outdoor venues. It was a, uh, it was a proper performance venue. Yeah. And in Vegas, if my band, I'm touring in his band and, um, you know, it's been it's been years and years. So, I mean, it's just another great city that I love to come and play. When you're in your car driving, I'm curious, uh, what music are you listening to? Uh, what, what is like what is like your go to album? What are the, the musicians that Richard Marks listens to in his spare time? In his spare time. Um, uh Oh, did we lose you? Are we um, like technical difficulties? Uh, a little bit on and off. Am I yeah. Up on uh, or you're good? A little bit on you, and you, off. Yeah. You broke up a little bit. I got you back. Go ahead. You broke up a little bit. I got you back. Go ahead. Okay. Um, you might be surprised. That, you know, I don't have go-tos. I I tend to listen to whatever's new. I listen. I want to know what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big fan of like New Music Friday or whatever I'll look on and I listen to all the platforms. So I'll, if I go to Apple music, it's going to be whatever's the current hot, you know, 100 top songs in America. There's a, they have a, a playlist of a hundred songs from the world. Uh, so, you, you know, I love to listen to whatever's being played in the UK or in Germany or, and I tend to just sort of love young new music. I don't, you're not going to find me sitting in my car listening to, I mean, and I still love everything from the Eagles to the Doobie Brothers to Elton to Zeppelin to Queen to, I mean, I love all that stuff, but I've heard it so much. I want to always be sort of stimulated by something new. Mm. And so that's when we're not, like every so often I hear somebody put out a new record and I go, Oh man, that's yeah. like, it's really cool. And usually <laughs> I'll look and it's these guys are awesome. I have to ask you this. Uh, you mentioned the strip in Las Vegas. What do you make of, you know, you're the true musician, obviously. What do you make of, and I won't mention any names, but some musicians, and I put that in quotations, that lip sync, that do shows on the strip, they'll be getting paid three, four hundred grand a show. They don't play a musical instrument and they're not singing. They're just dancing. I mean, do you still consider them musicians? And what do you make of that era of maybe the last 10 or 15 years uh, where you have performers that some of them, for lack of a better term, they can't really sing and they don't play any instruments. Do you still consider that a concert? And what do you make of that? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Uh, I have two separate thoughts about it. One is that for me as a, as a music fan, uh, that's probably not going to be something that I'm going to be into. Um, I like people who can really pull it off live, who are great musicians or great singers or great performers. Um, that said, you know, it's been a long time now. It, it, it wasn't, you know, 25 years ago, 
or whatever that was. I mean, people like Millie Vanilli, uh, that sweet girl Ashley Simpson getting caught lip syncing on Saturday Night Live. Those, <laughs> those were sort of like career ending moments, right? Yeah. Yep. Over time, yep. for whatever reason, the public doesn't care. The public, the, the fans, if they go see a pop artist who, whose songs they hear on the radio and they love, and even if they find out that that person is lip syncing the whole show, they don't care. And I say, you know, I'm kind of, kind of jealous every night. And <laughs> I sing 20 songs or more. It's like wear and tear, man. Like yeah. I'm up there. My, I have calluses on my fingers from playing. And my voice keeps yeah. hard. And I sing. It's athletic. Yeah. Um, you know, there have been times when I've thought, why don't I just lip sync? But I just couldn't do it. There's no way I yeah. can do that. Well, you don't need to do it because I, you I actually, like, yeah, you don't have don't to do that. I need to do it, right. But I also, I do feel like, um, I feel like it's a bit of a bait and switch. I feel like it's cheating a little bit. Mm -hmm. That said, I know that the majority of, especially younger pop fans, they don't care. Yeah. I have to ask, do you ever go back and I look at some of your videos of like the uh, 80s uh, with the hair and, you know, you're going out there singing the song Satisfied in front of like 100,000 people, the old guitars, the old hair, because I got to be honest, I went on YouTube yesterday and I was looking at some of your older concerts and I thought it was awesome. Like, do, do you get embarrassed when you see yourself from like 30 or 40 years ago or do you embrace it? I'm just curious. By the way, Brian, I'm going to move because Okay. Okay. Yeah, some minor minor technical difficulties with the phone, uh, some bad reception. So he's going to move a little bit so we can be a little bit more clearer because we're getting to the good stuff now, man. The 80s, I'm asking him about. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. Well, we've now turned into an episode. We've a we've accidentally turned into an episode of Cribs now. <laughs> Um, I would say that uh, uh, you asked me a question, and now I completely forgot because I, I know. Totally okay. I'll ask it. By, by the way, wherever you moved, you sound much better now. I want to be. I want to just let you know. Yeah, I think it's better now. Yeah, much better. So I asked you, like, I was on YouTube yesterday. I'm looking at some of your older concerts from like the late '80s, early '90s, where you're singing "Satisfied" in front of like a hundred thousand people. I look at the hair and the guitars and everything. Do you embrace that? Does it embarrass you? Like, because I think it's awesome. Do you ever go back and look at some of that old footage? And, and what do you think? Um, well, I mean, I think it helps that I still have a bunch of hair. <laughs> you know, I guess it would it would bum me out if I saw stuff like that and I'm like, wow, I like I, I remember when I used to have hair. Um, no, you have to like, you have to have a laugh. I mean, it was so ridiculous. Some of the stuff that I wore. Um, plus, look, for it helps that I have three sons who are like my best friends. You know, they're they're. A grown adult man, we hang out with my drinking buddies. But when they were, especially when they were teenagers, they busted my balls about those old videos <laughs> to the point where you have to laugh. I mean, it's sort of ridiculous. Some of the stuff I wore and the way my hair looked. And if you're, but if you're um, uptight about that or insecure about it, then you're just, come on. It's, a, it's hilarious. Yeah. What has it like uh, been in going in in public life? Obviously, your beautiful wife, uh, Daisy Fuentes, who I grew up watching, uh, you know, on MTV. What is that like? I mean, for basically almost your entire life, 
you've been out there in the public, your personal life, your your marriage, your, you know, everything. What is that like for the average everyday person that doesn't understand that? You know, what is that like being in gossip magazines and, and all that sort of thing? Like, what has that been like for you over the course of the last 40 plus years? Uh, well, there was there's been very little to none of that. Um, I was never that kind of. Uh, I even I hesitate to even use the word celebrity. I, 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 it was about the music for me, and I was never I never embraced that kind of press. Um, when I started out, I already uh, the first album. I already had a steady girlfriend of a couple of years, and then I got married to her, Cynthia, and we were married for twenty five years, and so. There was no, I never got arrested. I never went to rehab. There was nothing to write about. Um, I didn't go to parties. I didn't go to premieres. I worked. I wrote songs. And then when I wasn't working on albums and tours for myself, I was writing songs for other people. I never, um, I never had much interest in pursuing that sort of uh, attention or press. Mm-hmm. So there was... There's like none of it. I mean, there was a little bit of it when I got divorced and then when I met Daisy and, and, you know, Daisy and I were together for almost two years before anybody even knew we were dating. Wow. In fact, you know, it was the first picture that we ever uh, posted together. We got caught by the paparazzi once or twice Mm -hmm. coming out of a restaurant, you know, uh, six months before we got married. But, But the first time we ever posted anything as a couple was our wedding picture. Wow. Wow. And it's just that I've always been really private, and Daisy has been as well. And so that's those, we had that common sensibility. Um, I know I'm friends with some people who have, you know, to this day are just constantly followed. And mm. it's, I'm just, I feel actually kind of lucky. You know, I've been, I've been able to have this amazing career that I still enjoy, but I can also go to the deli. You know what I mean? Like I can go get a coffee, and it's like if somebody come, and people come up to me, but it's not a big deal. It's like, hey man, I love that song, or I saw you mm-hmm. on tour last year, whatever. And I love when people come up to me. Really? Um, really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. people are nobody's going to come up to you to be a dick. You know, people always come up because they like what you do, or they want to have a picture with you, or. Um, but Richard, 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 do you? I, I want to ask you this because some of the uh, musicians and friends that I know from being in radio for twenty years, they tell me like you when they share their political beliefs or their uh, frustration. As I do, it's my job. At times, they lose fans because of that. Now, I really don't care. I, I think a lot of people listen to me because they don't like me. But, but like in your situation, do you feel like you've maybe lost some fans? Because of your political beliefs or going after what I believe is the right thing to do and going after the alt-right, do you feel like you've lost fans because of that? What are your thoughts on that? Maybe, but look, a couple of things about that. Um, you know, one of my favorite things that people say online is, you, you, you're alienating half the country. <laughs> no, first of all, half the country didn't doesn't think like you do. Um, it's, a, it's a real pretty small fraction yeah. of people who are yeah. that, uh, you know, their ideology is that extreme. Uh, number two, if anything, in the last five years, my business is better. Like they're like everything is even picked up a bit. Hmm. Like it's like it's in another gear. Um, the other thing is that some of these people who might like my music but are so politically opposed to me in terms of ideology. 
Um, what they wouldn't have any way of knowing unless they come to the show is that there is none of that in my show. And that's a real conscious choice on my part. As passionate as I am about a lot of these issues, I also feel really strongly that that two hours on stage where people have, are paying to hear me perform, yeah, everyone in that room is going to get the same show, which is I'm going to play my heart out. I'm going to kid around. I'm going to joke. I don't, I don't go political on stage ever. I appreciate that. Because I feel like it's not the time or place. I think that's the smart thing to do. I I really do. All right, I have to ask you this. I have to go back to politics here. Um, Who would you say you would like to see run in the Democratic Party in 2024 for president? I have a few names myself, but I want to hear from you. And my second question is, is there anybody on the right that you could ever see supporting in 2024? I personally think Ron DeSantis is going to be the guy for the Republicans, who I can't stand. I think he's a despicable human being. I see some people on the left. I don't know if Michelle Obama would run. I think she would be great. I don't think Joe Biden should run again. That's just my personal opinion. What are your thoughts on that? All right. Well, so far, I completely agree on every on every point you just made. The only difference is that I don't, I can't think of anyone. Uh, I, I hope it's someone who's young, younger. Um, you know, the, I, again, as I said at the outset, I have such a distaste and distrust of politicians in general mm-hmm. that, and I've had some, I've had moments of sort of like getting behind someone, at least initially and kind of feeling it out. Um, I, it's just not a world that I like to be personally a part of. I think that they're all there's a level of mercenary um, ego that almost is needed to be a successful politician. Certainly, when you're talking about running for president. Yeah. Um, you know, if you held a gun to my head and said you have to support someone in the political landscape on the Democratic side, it would be. Pete Buttigieg it would be Mm. he would be probably my only and I have some I have some issues with him too from when he ran before but I think that he's probably from what I from what I can tell the smartest most decent um, guy who seems to really care about the country Um, there's no one there's no one on the right and and I I agree that DeSantis is probably going to be the nominee and it's just sort of like it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that people can listen to that rhetoric or listen to what or know what they stand for and the way, and the way they vote and the way they feel about so many people within the country and yeah. support that. And I guess it's just sort of like, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm saddened by the reality that so much of the country is still so bigoted and they sort of like, most of my lifetime, you had to like keep that stuff to yourself. If yeah. you spoke out about, if you like called people names, or if you showed your racism or your bigotry, you, you would get canceled. Then the Trump gave them that on. platform. Do you agree with me on that one? I think Trump uh, I think gave, made them more comfortable in their racism and bigotry, and that's why they're more outspoken now than maybe they were five years ago. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. He put he put air in their lungs and wind in their wings. Yeah. I have to have fun with you, Richard, and I have to ask you this question. Um, If you had Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene sitting front row for one of your shows, 
How difficult would that be for you to not say something? And what if they wanted to meet you backstage? What would be your response to that? And, and how difficult would that be for you having to look at them the entire show? I would never, ever let anybody like that backstage. I would never, <laughs> I would, and I wouldn't, those people, those two women particularly, I wouldn't even, if they reached out their hand to shake my hand, I wouldn't shake their hand. I, I, I think they're both just despicable human beings. Agree with you 150%. If they came to my show, I, you know, I'd have to hire someone to sort of phonetically sound out the lyrics to them because they're so stupid that they couldn't understand the lyrics. And I don't want to have to pay for somebody to do that. They're, or I'd have to sing the songs repeatedly and more slowly so that they could maybe understand the words. Uh, no, you're talking about those are really extreme examples of of how bad things are on the political landscape. Those two, particularly, as uh, <laughs> JoJo from Jurors on Twitter, she's great. She calls her Marjorie Three Toes. Uh, <laughs> she's really, really an awful, awful degenerate human being for sure. Do you mind if I ask you one or two more political questions? I know you probably have to go. Do you have time for a few more? Yeah, I got a bolt, but yeah, hit me. Okay. Uh, What are your thoughts on what Republicans are doing when it comes to abortion, the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Richard, did you ever think in this country that Roe versus Overwade would be uh, overturned? And what do you make of it? No, I never, ever, it it never dawned on me. It never, it, it was unfathomable to me. And partly because I guess I, those of us who we have to take responsibility for our own laziness, just like the Democrats have to take responsibility for not codifying it. Um, I think we all have to sort of. We trusted even Republicans who said, you know, that's not going to get overturned, even the mm-hmm. Supreme Court justices who lied under oath and said that they were not going to touch Roe v. Wade. Yeah, they perjured themselves, essentially, and they're getting away with it. Um, yeah, I think we all just sort of. I guess, for lack of a better term, we took it for granted that that would not be something that we'd have to worry about. Um, I still can't really kind of wrap my head around it, but to me, it's just, it's like the pregame. What's coming next is same-sex marriage and interracial marriage, and it's unbelievable to me that there are people who are in favor of this. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, I I, I can't, I kind of can't believe it, and I'm heartbroken about it actually so as am i uh, speaking of heartbroken one more political question for you gun control i mean you have so many republicans out there that say more guns are the answer i think there should be an assault weapons ban i think there's a lot of things we should do an 18 year old shouldn't be able to i'm sure you agree with me walk into a gun store when they turn 18 buy a bunch of ar-15s and six thousand rounds of ammunition uh what do you make of where we're at in this country right now where it seems like we have a mass shooting every day that we have to talk about well i mean it's insane, you know. It's harder. It's harder to get Sudafed than, uh, you know, an AR-15. Um, you know, it's interesting, Brian, because like abortion and gun control, I might fall. It's. I don't think anybody's pro-abortion. Like all these, all these, the, the talking points on the right that try to. Um, taint the narrative and it's just propaganda it's just lies they go the democrats want to kill babies democrats are pro abortion that's just a lie yep there's no none of us none of us feel that way right but then again the the choice of a woman as to what to do with her body it has to 
supersede everything else. Agree. And so I will be forever staunchly pro-choice. Doesn't mean that I'm like, yay, abortion. Like, right. No, right. no feeling person, especially a parent, right. feels that way. Um, and it's interesting because I also, like, the other lie that's being told not nonstop is that we, and I don't put myself in the, on the, in the uh, category of Democrat, but the anti-GOP want to take away your guns or, like, abolish the Second Amendment. That's a lie. Not true. Not true. Uh, I, have not, I have nothing against the Second Amendment. Right. I have a real problem with, like anything else, historically, as, as time passes, there are things that just don't work anymore in, yeah. the, in the form that they were, origi- in the form in which they were originated. Yeah. And... It's time for major gun reform. Major. I don't know how many more kids have to be slaughtered in a school or, or grandparents at the mall for us to all sort of go, hey, can we all at least get together on this because this is out of control? Let's, let's find some common ground. The fact that there is no common ground to be had uh, when it comes to the mm-hmm. Republicans in power, to me, is... Is a, is sort of like a statement of how little they really do care about life. And and Richard, isn't it interesting? Lies on the right. They want to say Democrats want to take all your guns away. You just spoke about that. That is not true. Uh, that you know that again, lies about defunding the police. Ninety nine percent of Democrats do not want to defund the police. But uh, we can go on and on, Richard. I could talk to you hours about politics. I think you and I agree on just about everything. Last question for you, Richard. And I really appreciate your time. I know you got to go. Uh, your show is July 29th at Green Valley Ranch. I've seen you multiple times. It's a phenomenal show. Uh, for people maybe that are thinking of going out to see you, talk to me about what they should expect. I know you got a new album coming out in September, but you're also playing all of your radio hits, which is quite a few of them, by the way. Talk about your upcoming show, what people should expect on July 29th. Well, this particular show on July 29th, I'm going to do all Metallica songs with just me and my acoustic guitar. <laughs> Enter Sandman, Enter Richard. Sandman. Pa- I-, I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it, the show is uh, pretty much... What I've been doing for a while in that, you know, again, I am really, really grateful every minute of every day that I have a set list full of hit songs that people know. And so I do as many of the hits as I can fit into that particular show. I do some songs that were hits that I wrote for other people, which is always kind of a fun thing because sometimes people who come to hear certain songs of mine had no idea that I wrote that Keith Urban song or that NSYNC song or that Josh Groban song, whatever. And I throw stuff into the show that's really fun for us to play or me to play. Um, and uh, and we're going to, that's a, the, the show this time is a band show. And my band is an unbelievable three musicians who we, we're like brothers. We have so much fun up there. And we're going to throw in a couple of new songs from the upcoming album. So the album coming out in September is called Songwriter. And uh, it's probably the most ambitious album I've ever made, Brian, because it's, as I was working on it over the last 13 or 14 months, I just decided to go for all these different genres. And so it's basically five pop songs, five rock songs, five country songs, and five beautiful ballads. It's a double album, it's 20 songs. And so I'm going to do a little bit from each of those uh, sort of, it's like four EPs that make up a whole double album. Wow! So this first single, which is the, from the pop side of it, came out last week called "Same Heartbreak, Different Day." I wrote it with my son Lucas, and he produced it. 
Um, the country track that's going to come out first in a couple, in a six weeks or so, I wrote with Keith Urban. Um, and this rock song that's coming out in a few weeks, uh, I wrote with my other son, Jesse, one of my other sons, Jesse. And, uh, and that's a pretty heavy, pretty heavy rock song that I can't wait for people to hear. Oh, and then right before the album comes out in September, I'm going to drop a, a ballad that I wrote with the legendary Burt Backrack. We wrote it just Ooh. like a couple of years ago. And Bert just turned 94 years old and he's still writing songs like nobody's business. Oh Somebody. God, I love I love how you incorporate your kids, your family into your album. Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And I gotta say, man, if you ever did a political talk show, I would listen to it every day, my friend. If I if I get, I'm, I'm definitely gonna get out there on the 29th and, and catch your show. And uh, if I get a chance to say a quick hello, I will uh, bring you a gift, maybe Donald Trump toilet paper. I don't know, but I will bring you something, Richard. Okay. Great. It would be great to say hi to you, and we have to make a point to go have a drink sometime and, and talk more about all this. I would love to, Richard. Love you to. and I uh, pretty much agree on everything. Uh, the only difference is you've sold about 30 million more albums than I have. Other than that, we're, we're identical. Hey, Richard, appreciate you coming on, my man. Thank you so much for your time, and can't wait for your show. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Take care. Appreciate that. Thank appreciate you. That. Thank that is uh, Richard that Marks, is, uh, everybody. Richard Marks. Uh, He sold over 30 million albums, Grammys. I didn't expect to do a 40-minute interview with him. That was uh, quite enjoyable. I know that uh, the connection wasn't the greatest there, but I think we got it figured out there towards the end. And uh, gosh, we covered everything, didn't we? We covered his marriages. We covered Daisy Fuentes. We covered gun control, abortion, Donald Trump, uh, his incredible music career. That'd be fun having a beer with that guy, I'll tell you. We wouldn't talk about music. I would only, I, I like talking politics with people. I would probably sit there and talk about politics. That's a really smart guy. Richard's a really smart guy. And uh, I would probably just talk about what's going on in the world with him, you know, uh, as I do with some other musician friends that I have. We never talk about music because they always talk about that. We always talk about other stuff. And for what, 80% of that interview, we didn't talk about his music career. We talked about politics and news. And I thought he would be engaged in talking about that and uh, that was a lot of fun man i appreciate richard uh coming on the show and i will absolutely catch his show by the way what day numchuck is july 29th what's the date today i don't know i mean i'm, I'm out of the loop man what day is july 29th friday july okay. 29th i will be there i will be at green i don't think i've ever seen a concert at green valley ranch i used to at ovation is it nice that's not where the, that's not where he's at though oh okay Ovation's the one that they closed and turned into the bingo oh. hall like eight years ago. Oh, oh, 69, B11. That's yeah. what they do in there now. Well, I think Richard's concert will be a little bit more enjoyable. Well, you know what? Uh, I will definitely be there this Friday, July 29th at Green Valley Ranch. If you see uh, the bald, very white male that's around six feet tall, uh, that would be me. Uh, maybe I will get Richard some Donald Trump toilet paper. I think he would enjoy that very much so. But anyway, I appreciate Richard taking the time to join us. Hey, I want to tell you guys about uh, one of my favorite bars in town, Jackson's Bar and Grill, located at Flamingo and Jones. Check them out. Uh, You walk in there, and uh, $10 free slot play if you just mention my name. Uh, They're giving away $100 gas cards as well. The more you play, uh, the more you have a chance to win. Uh, Jackson's Bar and Grill, uh, trust me, you'll enjoy it there. Flamingo and Jones, you will have a fantastic time. Great food, great atmosphere. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, are my Boston Celtics going to get Kevin Durant? Is this actually going to happen? We'll discuss coming up next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? 
Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So Do you want to be part of one of the fastest growing shows in the Valley? Well, now is your chance. Pushing the Limits covers it all. The only show in town talking news, politics, sports, entertainment, you name it. You can now give your business the push it needs to take it to the next level. We have all sorts of advertising packages that can fit your budget. Give us a call at 725-256-9809 or send us an email at ptlvegasales at gmail.com and be part of the fastest growing show in Las Vegas. Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Welcome back, Pushing the Limits. On a Tuesday, you know, there are some shows in Las Vegas where 
you'll get a riveting seven-minute interview with Jim Marchant. I mean, don't get me wrong, folks. It's just edge-of-your-seat radio. But on this show, you get a solid 30 minutes with Congressman Stephen Horsford talking about all the issues. I just did 40 minutes with Richard Marks, man. My dates don't even last that long, by the way. I just want to be clear on that. Hey, I want to tell you guys about uh, Sahara West Urgent and Primary. It's true, Numchuck. Don't laugh. It's true. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care, located at 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Speaking of my dates, uh, they haven't been complaining lately. Why? Because I'm on the testosterone therapy. Lately, uh, some other things have lasted at least 45 minutes, but we don't need to get into that. But anyway, uh, check them out. Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. You don't even have to make an appointment there, but you can give them a call at 702 702- 2480554. Uh, they take most insurances, and if you don't even have insurance, it's a $95 pay in and out of there. I was in and out of there in 20 minutes, man. It was awesome. Please check them out. Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. I promise they took care of me. They'll definitely take care of you. Speaking of taking care of people, did you hear this? Did you see this uh, Jim Harbaugh story? I hate to get back into the abortion subject because we don't have a lot of time. But Jim Harbaugh says that he's willing to raise his players' babies if a pregnancy is unplanned. Yeah, Jim, I'm I'm sure that you would raise 15 or 20 babies. Uh, I mean, why are people so stupid? By the way, how many kids has Jim Harbaugh adopted? I would love to know that. And as an NFL head coach, I'm I'm just curious. uh, Or I'm sorry, University of Michigan. Did I say NFL? I'm thinking of the other Harbaugh. But uh, I'm just wondering, as a college football coach, how much time do you have? Could you raise 20 kids? And what a freaking idiot. Jim Harbaugh, you stupid buffoon. I hate these people. Yo, if there's unplanned pregnancies, I'll raise the child. Yeah, I'm sure you will, Jim. I'm sure you'll be a great father to 20 kids. You stupid idiot. Ugh, that's all I want to talk about when it comes to that. But uh, listen, I grew up a Boston Celtics fan. I watched Celtic games with my dad uh, during the late 80s. I wasn't, uh, I was old enough to appreciate it, but I wish I was a little bit older. But uh, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Perry, I grew up a Celtics fan. Now, there are rumors circulating that the Boston Celtics could be a threat to trade Jalen Brown and to get Kevin Durant. Let me tell you, folks, Tatum and Durant, they are immediately the favorite to win the NBA championship. Now, what I have heard is that the Brooklyn Nets wanted to get Marcus Smart. And the Celtics said, no, no. Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. You cannot get rid of Marcus Smart if you're the Boston Celtics. You cannot do that. Give them every draft pick they want. I'm okay. You got Give them Jalen Brown. You want to throw him another player, fine. But it cannot be Marcus Smart. So that's where things have stalled a little bit. But I'm going to tell you right now, if the Boston Celtics get Kevin Durant... And they keep Marcus Smart, and obviously they'll have Jason Tatum because Tatum ain't going anywhere. The Boston Celtics are the perennial favorite to win the NBA championship. Do people forget this? The Celtics were up two games to one in the NBA Finals. They were five minutes away, in my opinion, of winning the NBA championship because if they go up 3-1, I believe they they win the NBA championship. They were five minutes away. They had the lead. They could have gone up 3-1. They were up 2-1 with the lead with five minutes to go, and then Steph Curry, uh, the greatness of Steph Curry, just took over in that game. The one thing, I, listen, I would love Kevin Durant to be a Boston Celtic. Me being a Boston Celtic fan, oh man, that would be awesome. But I definitely have criticisms for the NBA today. I have plenty of criticisms, and this is one of them. 
And I listen, Kevin Durant is an unbelievably gifted basketball player. He's arguably the best basketball player in the world. He's arguably the best offensive player in the world. You can't defend him. With his height, his range, his jump shot, his athleticism, you, you can't defend him. So he's arguably the best player in the world. I'd take Kevin Durant right now over LeBron James. LeBron James is getting old. He's not getting any younger. Kevin Durant is still in his prime for the most part. I think Kevin Durant, and I think you throw Steph Curry into the mix as well, arguably, but Kevin Durant is arguably the best basketball player in the world. So trust me, I would want to see him in a Boston Celtics uniform. But I tell you something, man. We never saw this type of stuff in the 80s and even the early 90s, right? When Michael Jordan lost the Detroit Pistons early in his career, do you remember that? He didn't cry. He didn't go home and say, boy, I'd love to play with that Isaiah Thomas. He's a hell of a basketball player. I want that guy Bill Beer on my team. I got to go over and play for Detroit. No, Jordan didn't do that. He hit the gym. And while have, I have my criticisms for Michael Jordan, the human being, the basketball player, it's why he's the best player he'll, he, of all time. He went in the gym, he bulked up, and he conquered the Detroit Pistons. When Larry Bird lost to the L.A. Lakers... Did Larry Bird go home and say, boy, I really like that Magic Johnson. I really like that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think I want to become an L.A. Laker. I guarantee you he never said that. And neither did Magic Johnson. Because back then, there was something called loyalty. And while they weren't making anywhere near as much money as these players are making now, the number one priority for many of these guys were, I want to win with the team I have. And one of my biggest criticisms of Durant, besides being maybe just as thin-skinned as Donald Trump, certainly on social media. I don't understand why Kevin Durant cares what some of these fans that are trolling him have to say. Kevin Durant has more money than God. He shouldn't have to prove anything to anybody, but I have criticisms for him. I remember when he was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Do we remember those teams? And they couldn't get past the Golden State Warriors because the Golden State Warriors were a better basketball team. So Kevin Durant didn't say, guys, we need to make this team better. We need to add some things, and I need to do this. We need to do this. This is how we lost to Golden State. This is how we come. Maybe he had those conversations. But in the end, it was Kevin Durant that said, I want to jump ship. And if you can't beat him, join him. And he joined the Golden State Warriors. He didn't go to another team. He went to the team that the Oklahoma City Thunder could not beat. That's what Durant did. I have a serious problem with that. They didn't do that in the, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s. They didn't do that. And while I give LeBron James a lot of credit for coming back to Cleveland and winning an NBA championship, I think it's probably the biggest accomplishment in his career. Remember those years in Miami? Some pretty good players there, right? Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Hall of Famers he played with. I would have loved to have seen LeBron James on a team that sucked. Now listen, I know you can make the argument Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. He had a lot of good role players. I get that. Larry Bird had Hall of Famers, no question. Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, just to name a few. Danny Ainge. He had a lot of good players in Boston, no question. But they didn't jump ship. They stayed put. They were loyal to their organization. And I know times are different now. I get that. But we live in an era now in the NBA where players jump ship and try to find the easy way. Listen, Carl Malone tried to do it. Remember at the last year of his career, he went and played for the Lakers. Now, it didn't work. He didn't win a championship. But, I mean, 
Would we have looked at Carl Malone's career any differently? Great player, one of the top power forwards of all time. Guy couldn't get it done. If he won that championship with the Lakers, do we look at it differently? I don't. So, to me, there's an asterisk there. there. There's an asterisk with some of these players. Are we getting William Hung on the show tomorrow from American Idol? I don't even know. Depends on What's the poker the status? Tournament. I guess William Hung's a big poker player from American Idol. But I know we have confirmed on Thursday. Oh, I love this guy. Jackie the Joke Man. Jackie Martling from the Howard Stern Show will be joining us on Thursday. That is going to be a ton of fun. Tomorrow on the show, I know we have Delilah, stand-up comic here in Las Vegas. She's going to be joining us in studio as well. And we're, we're working on getting William Hung uh, in studio as well. It'll be tomorrow, maybe Thursday. But Jackie Tomorrow Mar- or Thursday. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to be posting these interviews on social media. I want to thank uh, Congressman Stephen Horsford for joining us. Really enjoyed talking to him. Good 30-minute interview with him, picking his brain on, on a number of issues. How about that? 40 minutes, I just had Richard Marks on the line. That was a lot of fun. What a great musician. What a great guy. Brilliant musician, and boy, that interview was a lot of fun. I love talking about all the the issues. You know, when I talk to these musicians, I don't like talking about only music. I like talking about, you know, pick their brain about a, a number of different issues, and that that's what we did on the show today, man. That was that was a lot of fun. So if you missed anything, you can go on our YouTube page, which I believe is PTL Vegas. You could also go on my Twitter page, which is Pushing Limits LV. And I also post clips and I do all that stuff uh, up there. So if you missed anything, we podcast all of our shows so you can always check that out. And we are going to have some fun on the show tomorrow. I promise you that. Possibly William Hung will be joining us in studio. Uh, she bang, she bang from uh, American Idol fame. Uh, Delilah, very funny comedian. She's going to be joining us, as I mentioned, tomorrow as well. So that's a wrap, folks. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. I know I did. This was this is a fun one. And uh, we will see you same time, same place tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.